0: Hey guys, it's JC, the You May New Podcast. We're on 14 and we are not going to mess around today. No small talk today. We're diving in. This is so much stuff that it's good stuff, I promise. Today we're talking about the way to true change. We're talking about forsaking our sin because we've done an episode on confessing. We have poured it out. Hopefully you've spent time really giving your all to that, just being real with him about exactly where you are, what the mess looks like. But now it's time to to go to the second part of that. I like to imagine it like um, a really cluttered closet. Have you ever had like a hall closet or closet that's your spot to kind of throw everything? You don't know where it goes. And then one day you're like, okay, nothing fits in here anymore. So I have to clean it out. So the first step is always to Purge, right? Pull everything out of the closet. Just clean, just pull it all out. Put it everywhere. That's kind of what we did with the last episode. We're, the confession. Let's look at what's in this closet so we can see what we need to deal with. That's that step. But now, I think a lot of times in our lives, we kind of can see that our stuff, but we just shove it right back in the closet and shut the door. Like, I'll, I'll deal with that later. This is the point where we're not going to do that. We've got it out. Now it's time to deal with it in a way that that closet stays cleaned out so that, that our heart has room for Christ to come and dwell there. All that clutter isn't staying there and taking up space. We're forsaking our sin. We're getting rid of those things. So this is the point kind of in our little journey where I want you to imagine that we've reached a crossroads like a T, a fork in the road, where the road goes in two opposite directions. We have a choice to make. And there's only one way that's going to get us where we need to go. So if we look to the left, going down that road, that's the road of relying on our efforts, our works, our willpower to overcome these things in our lives, to overcome our sin, our fig leaves, our escapes, Efforts, strength, work, willpower, setting goals, like I got this, I can overcome this. And I'll tell you what, once I stood at this crossroads in my life and looked down that road, I knew I had been down that road so many times before. How many goals had I set? How many promises I'd made to myself? How many times I'd outlined what I was gonna do? I had brought people in and made them like help keep me accountable. But what hit me was this road. When you go the left road to relying on your own efforts to overcome your sin in your life or the mess in your life, it just leads in a circle. You try and then you fail and then you try and you fail and then you try harder and then you fail and then you try and then you fail again and you make it make it for a little while and then you fail again. Right? Hasn't that been whatever? Think of all the things that you've tried to overcome. I mean, I work in the area of food addiction, man, do I, as my own story and many people that I sit and they just look at me, someone did that yesterday and said, I know I should stop, but I can't. Why can't I try, fail, diet, fail, diet. I mean, or something as simple as yelling at your kids or getting your budget under control. How many times have we tried to rely on our own efforts, our own works, our own willpower, our own strength, our own ideas? to overcome these sinful, habitual habits or or sins, whatever you want to call them. We've called them fig leaves, escapes, our pointing finger. Okay, I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm going to change. Maybe read a book that got me pumped up or saw a TED Talk. I'm done. It leads in a circle, doesn't it? Try, fail. In fact, I remembered I had this memory of sitting in church. This was probably 10, 15 years ago. And we were having a lesson on repentance. And I remember we were kind of going through the different aspects of repentance, you know, kind of a little checklist like, oh, yeah, we need to say we're sorry and feel sorrow for it and mourn that sin. And and part of that process, we talked about not doing it anymore, not returning to that sin. And I have this stark memory of a kind of ripple of laughter going through the room because the idea was, well, we all we all know we go back to it. <laughs> None of us really conquer it for sure, right? For good. It was just kind of that little acknowledgement like, well, okay, yeah, we can talk about this as part of repentance, but it's not the reality for any of us. And everyone was kind of laughing. I mean, haven't we kind of, well, yeah, I know I'm not supposed to do those things again, but it, it doesn't matter how hard I try. I end up right back there. So that road, it's time to be done. That's never got us anywhere but a circle that just loops around and loops around. Try, fail, try, fail. fail. The right side road is the one we're finally going to take this time. You may have explored it a few times, some in your life. I hope you have. The right side is to place our faith in Christ, to trust in his grace, to ask for his help, to have him empower us to overcome these things and finally be able to forsake them once and for all. Um, one of my favorite authors, Hannah Woodell Smith, I've I've um, quoted from her before in her book, um, The Christian Secret of a Happy Life. She hammers this. And I kind of want to quote, but it's like two full pages. So I really just need to paraphrase. But she says, how many of us, you know, are living the Christian religion, but not with any power? Like we believe in him and we're doing the church thing but we're not really seeing victory over our sin. She says, how, the, the most, most we can expect from our religion, she says, is a life of altern, alternate failure and victory. One hour sinning and the next repenting and beginning again only to fail again and again to repent. But this quote, I've got to read, man. She just nails this. She goes, that, is that the most you can expect from the gospel? She says, have the Lord Jesus only this in mind? When he laid down his precious life to deliver you from your bondage to sin, did he propose only this partial deliverance where we really aren't able to overcome it? Did he intend to leave you thus struggling along under a weary consciousness of defeat? and discouragement. And she goes on and on and on. When he said that he would enable us to be more than conquerors through him, did he mean constant defeat and failure? Like, is this what the gospel is supposed to look like? And then she says, no lie. She says, no, no, a thousand times. No. God is able to save the unto the uttermost, she says, and he means to do it. So she said at the very outset, Let's look at this right hand road. She said, settle down on this one thing that the Lord is able to deliver you fully now in this life from the power and dominion of sin and to deliver you altogether out of the hands of your enemies. No matter what sin cycle you're stuck in, he can rescue you everywhere and always, she says, his work is said to be to deliver us from our sins, from our bondage, from our defilement. And listen to this, guys, listen to this not a hint is given anywhere that this deliverance was only was to be only the limited and partial one with which the church so continually tries to be satisfied <laughs> i mean we we're doing the best we can and we just haven't got anywhere it's time to take a new road it's time to take a new road there are so many scriptures that talk about taking this road. I didn't even know how to choose. Like, just get into your scriptures. You'll see it everywhere. The whole chapter, Romans 6, we won't quote it all. Just that whole chapter talks about how we've been servants of sin. It's had dominion over us, power over us. And we've tried to break free and we couldn't. And he talks about how we can be made free from that through Christ. And gain eternal life even. He even mentions that in Romans 6. Go study it. Um, John 15, five, we've done so many times. You should have it memorized the branch abide in me and I in you. If you're not connected to me as a branch, he says in verse five, without me, you can do nothing. There's no amount of works or effort or willpower or strength that can get you there. I mean, guys, really think about it. If we could be set free through our our efforts, through our willpower, LDS culture yet likes to use the word agency, through that ability to just choose to do better. If we really could just do it by making a choice, like I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to set my mind to it. Then why do we need a savior? Like, why did he die for us? If we can just change ourselves through our own efforts and give up our sin through our own efforts. We will remain stuck in this cycle. We can confess our sin all we want, but truly forsaking it can only come through him. Truly being released from its power over us, we can cry, we can confess, we can beg, but until we turn to him and take this new road, we'll just stay in that same circle over and over and over again. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, through faith in Christ, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It comes through him, through faith in him. Um, I want to give you a few beautiful, beautiful examples of two different groups of people. or One is a person and one is a group of people in the Book of Mormon that finally took this road, the right hand road. They left behind the left hand and finally took it. And the, it just gives us everything we need in looking to how this happens. Um, let me get there in my scriptures. The first comes from the book of Mosiah, chapter four in the book of Mormon. It's a group of people under King Benjamin. And he is a great, wonderful, righteous king that's gathered them all together The Lord has called him to do this. He's gathered his people together and he has just given a sermon on Christ that is just epic. He has preached Christ with power and authority, so much so that in Mosiah 4, the people have literally fallen on their face before their king, so humbled by what they've been taught about the Messiah, about the Redeemer, that they are face to the ground face planted in humility. Let me get my scriptures closer so I can see them. And it says, they had fallen to the earth for the fear of the Lord had come upon them. Verse two, and they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. It's like what we've been doing on this, in this season. We, we see it now. We've gone through the mess. We've looked at all the ways we've wandered. We finally see ourselves in that carnal fallen state even less than the dust of the earth. The dust obeys God, right? I haven't. I'm less than the dust of the earth. It says, and they all, listen to this, cried aloud with one voice saying, oh, have mercy and apply the atoning blood of Christ. Sorry, that we may receive forgiveness of our sins and our hearts may be purified. There's the two steps. They're confessing, they're asking for it to be forgiven, but they'll also that their hearts would be purified so they could forsake the sin once and for all. They finish it this way, for we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall shall come down among the children of men. This was prior to him coming on the earth. Listen to this, and it came to pass, verse 3, That after they had spoken these words, the spirit of the Lord came upon them and they were filled with joy, having received a remission of their sins and having peace of conscience because of the exceeding faith which they had in Jesus Christ, according to the words which their king had spoken unto them. They fell on their faces. They begged for his mercy. And that remission of sins was given. And then in the next chapter here's the key to what we're talking about in this episode. The next chapter 5 says it simply one little verse said it this way. When King Benjamin was assessing from the people more about what had happened, they said to him, "Yea, we believe all the words which thou hast spoken unto us, and we know they're true, because the spirit of the Lord omnipotent has wrought a mighty change in us or in our hearts." That we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. The power of sin was broken. That cycle, that circle was broken. And there was a mighty change in their heart that they now felt that power to forsake their sin for good that hadn't been there before. Second example comes from a, a man named Alma, who is actually the biggest hot mess you ever see in the book. He's not just stuck in a cycle of sin. He's in such a dark place that he is working to destroy the church, to destroy God's kingdom. He's actively fighting against it and working against it. And I won't tell the whole story, try to be just quick, but God calls him out, sends an angel, and he, he just lays him out and says, enough, enough. Um, Alma's father was a prophet who'd been begging for redemption for his son and God answered his prayer and said we're done. And and Alma ended up um just like kind of unconscious for a few days. He was so leveled by this wake up call that he was just experiencing the wrath of God for his sin. He was just being tormented for the truth of what he was actually doing and and the sin that was in his life. Then he says he tells the story later to his boys and to different people and he said the only thing that finally got me out of that is I cried out, Oh, Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And he, in fact, he tells his son later, he said, Never, never until I did cry out unto the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy, did I receive a remission of my sins. And he was a changed man after this. He was, he was a prophet after this. It's kind of like Paul, that dramatic Here's the thing. Both of those examples use the phrase "remission of their sins." I mean, that's that's New Testament everywhere, right? Everywhere you look up that phrase in the New Testament, we Christ's whole agenda was to was to call us to repentance, to be baptized for remission of our sins. It's it's all over in the Book of Mormon too. Think about the word "remission." I mean, the best way to analogy or to analogy is for me to think about cancer going into remission. When that cancer is actually in remission, is there still little little packets of cancer throughout the body? And we're just like, oh, well, that's the best type of healing we can get. I mean, there's still a little bit, but no, it's gone. They won't tell you you're in remission unless you are cancer free. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about the old cycle, the old circle will, where those ladies in my women's study group were laughing. Like, yeah, we know most of us keep going through the cycle. We don't really give it up for good. It doesn't really go into remission, right? We're talking about a different road where we're finally falling on our face before him, crying out to him, have mercy on me. Both of those people, that same phrase, have mercy on me. I am asking for your grace, your, your cleansing power to free me from this bondage of sin. I'm asking for this remission of sins where it's gone just like someone that's in cancer remission. It's gone. It doesn't hold that power over me. I'm not a servant or a slave to it anymore like Romans 6 talks about. I mean, just imagine what that would feel like in your life. Like these people in the Book of Mormon said, such a mighty change in our hearts, we just have no more disposition to go back to those things anymore. I mean, think about the different things you struggle with. Like your temper. When you lose your temper with your family, picture the look that you see on their face or the hurt you see in their eyes and the guilt you feel over that. I mean, think about the inappropriate thoughts you may struggle with and all the shame over that. Think of the... Humiliation of the binges that we go on, whether it's with a credit card or with the ice cream or whatever, pornography. Think about all that we have suffered stuck in this cycle of sin. What would that feel like to be free of that? Can you even imagine the joy, the transformation that this right-hand road is going to bring us? No longer stuck in that cycle of failure or defeat. I mean, doesn't it make your heart leap? Like, yeah, that is what this is about. This isn't just about the first half of our season where we just talk about the mess or even the last episode where we confess it. Now is where we turn a corner, where we reach a crossroads, where we take a new road. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I'm emotional. Well, I know why I'm emotional because this is where everything starts to change. But we have to cry out. We have to ask for his mercy. We have to be on our face before him like these these examples I used where they are not just a nice little prayer. Heavenly Father, please help me. Not that those are bad. We're talking about a different level of crying out. Listen to this from Beth Moore in her book, Get Out of That Pit. She says, cry out, open your mouth and say, God, help me and mean it not as a figure of speech, not with half a heart, with everything you've got. Look up and cry out. Bring heaven to a standstill. Get some attention. I mean, that, that's what we're talking about. She then talks about, you know, why is it so important to cry out? I mean, he already knows we need it. He's seen us stuck in that circle. Why? Why, does, why is crying out the key? This is interesting. She says, I think he usually waits for us to cry out so he can remove all doubt about who came to our rescue. Further, God sees great advantage in awaiting our cry because he is unequivocally driven by relationship. Never lose sight of the fact that God will forever be more interested in your knowing your healer than experience his, experiencing his healing. And knowing your deliverer than knowing your deliverance. The king of all creation wants to reveal himself to you. His highness is willing to come to us in lowness. Our cries, voice openness, readiness. That's what God is after. That's what he is after. He's about not making sure that we know where our deliverance come from comes from there won't ever be ever (laughs) a tendency to talk about willpower or doing it on our own we know without a doubt where that rescue came from we have confessed our sin we have fallen on our face before him and then when we experience it we're going to understand the power of our god on a whole new level there is going to be that mighty change i love the word mighty powerful. This isn't a little change where you just do a little better. We on this journey are asking for dramatic, radical transformation. We are where we are lit up, right? But the process is through a full-blown remission of sin. Remission of our sin. This is big, isn't it? What we're going to do in the next episode is now that we've laid out this process, We're going to look at it in detail. I'm just going to get really, really real (laughs) of what this looked like for me as I began to cry out and rely on His grace, ask for it, seek for it, what that began to look like in my life. Um, I was very attached to some of my fig leaves and my escapes and my finger pointing. I was very attached. You would think I would just throw all those things out with abandon and just run to Christ and give them all up. For me, it was a more complicated thing. I had some deep addictions and attachments to my old ways, to that circle. (laughs) I, and so there was a process. Maybe you will be set free overnight of all your stuff. I sure hope so. I mean, there are stories like that in the scriptures. But for me, it was a journey, a process of slowly unraveling fig fig leaves and slowly coming out of my hiding places and learning to trust him more and more and more. We're going to talk about that next time in more detail. But for today, prepare your heart, cry out, study some of these examples, look up those ideas in the scriptures, look up Romans 6, go back to some of these things we talked about, prepare your heart for a kind of cry that will change everything, it will change everything. This isn't just your normal prayer. This is from the depths of your soul. And when you've reached that point, join me in the next episode and we'll move on from there. Thanks guys.